You're about to listen to another inspiring word from House on the Rock Church, the London Lighthouse. For more information and interaction with House on the Rock, please visit our website on hotr.org.uk. Amen. Blessed be God. Are you ready for God's word this Sunday morning? Amen. Genesis chapter 37. Genesis 37, we're only reading two verses of Scripture, verse 3 and verse 4 of Genesis and chapter 37. Let's rise up for the reading of God's Word in honor of the second person of the Trinity, the living Word of God. Ooh, hallelujah. Amen. Do it this way. Thank you. I'm just here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I like my quotes. Blessed be God. Yep, they're good. Thank you, Lord. Are you in Genesis chapter 37? Let's read together from verse 3 to verse 4. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic or a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that his father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. They hated him. They hated him. Whew. You know, there are some quotes that puts you in trouble. You see, Israel gave Joseph a coat of many colors. And his brothers hated him for it. You see, some quotes put you in trouble because favor isn't fair. Joseph didn't ask for the quotes. He didn't ask for it. His father gave him the coat of many colors. And his brothers hated him for it because favor isn't, by the very nature of favor, it isn't fair. They hated him. They envied him. They couldn't speak peaceably unto him or about him because he was favored. You see, if you are not ready to be envied and even hated, you are not ready for favor. Because the other side of favor is envy, is hatred. They hated him for the coat that he wore, for his coat of many colors. And Joseph didn't do anything to, to deserve this coat. All that Joseph had to do to deserve this coat was be born. All you have done to deserve the favor of God is being born again. It's not your fault. Tell your neighbor, it's not my fault, it's not my fault. I just accepted Jesus. That's why I'm favored. I didn't do anything to deserve this. He just gave this to me. Hallelujah. 
Joseph didn't ask for the coat, but it was given to him, and, and the brothers hated him for it. And the brothers would have gladly separated him from his coat of, of, of many colors. They wanted to separate him. And you see, Joseph in his adolescence didn't even know how to handle having favor, didn't know how to handle having a coat of many colors. So instead of being discreet and moderate about his coat, he, 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 he wore his coat every day. Every single day he wore his coat. In the morning, in the afternoon, at night, he wore his coat. He strut around with his coat. He didn't hide that he was favored. He was even arrogant with his favor. He'll go around and say, can you see my coat? Can you see my coat? Do you have a coat like my own? My coat, does anybody know what I'm talking about? And to compound the issue, he started to have dreams. Dreams where everybody was bowing to him. And instead of him again being quiet about the dreams, guess what? He goes and tells the people that are bowing to him in the dream that this is a dream that I had and you are bowing to me. What arrogance. This guy did not know how to handle having a coat of many colors. He, he went around saying that it's not my fault. It was just given to me. So what am I going to do but to wear this coat that has been given to me? He got so attached to the coat. Before you knew it, the coat became his identity. From any distance that you saw him, you knew it was him. From a mile off, his brothers would say, oh, Joseph again. He's coming. It's that boy again. You hear me what I'm saying? But even God knew that he needed to be separated from the coat. Because sometimes you get so attached to your coat that it starts to define you when God wants to be the one that holds the full rights of defining who you are. That God will allow situations and circumstances to arise in your life that will separate you from the coat. So the day finally came where at a distance the brothers saw him coming. And they were far enough from home and far enough from Israel. Maybe it's even their irritation with the favor that Joseph was enjoying at home that made them say, let's take the sheep fire away. This is annoying. And then when they've, they've run away to escape the arrogance of Joseph, and then who do they see coming on the horizon? The same Joseph. They say, ah, you're in trouble today. And they separated Joseph from his coat. They thought it was them that was doing it. But it was actually God that was doing it. It was God that was separating Joseph from his coat because God knew that Joseph needed to be separated from his coat of many colors. We're coming back to that in a moment's time. You need, we, we need to be consciously severe the con connection and the dependence on our coats for identity and realize that we are not our coats. I don't know what coat it is you are wearing. I don't know how beautiful it is. I don't know how great it is. I don't know how expensive it is or inexpensive it is. But I've come to tell you this Sunday morning, I am not my coat. So, 
You didn't hear me what I'm saying. It's going to make sense before we are done, but help me preach to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I am not my coat. I am not my coat. You might like my coat. It might be a nice coat, but I am not my coat. Somebody shout amen. Father, take charge, take control. Do that which only you can do in this place today. A name change. A supernatural turnaround. A great lifting, yokes destroyed. A supernatural clothing with coats in this place. Yakabos, somebody, yabadabos. Mantles, mantles, mantles. Mantles are dropping. Will drop heavenly mantles coming, coming upon us. Hallelujah. Not the clothing of earth, but the clothing of heaven. Whoo! Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. And the people said aloud, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. As you tell your neighbor once more, I am not my coat. Hallelujah. Blessed be God. Somebody's wondering, what does this have to do with identity? Didn't you say you were talking about true identity? It'll make sense. Stay with me. It's actually in the light of God that we see who we are. We learned that last week, Sunday. If you do not see God clearly, you will not be able to see yourself. He is the light through which we are able to have sight. Because no matter how great your sight is without light, the sight can see nothing. Uh, it is his light that enables our sight. Identity, therefore, starts by identifying God. So Paul prays in the book of Ephesians in chapter 1, verse 16 to 17, that, that he, he makes mention of us in prayers that the Lord of our Lord, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So he wants us to know God first, and then after we know God, we are able to find out who we are. So we must seek the revelation of God in, in, in order to find out who we are. It was when Simon caught a revelation of who Jesus Christ was that Jesus could turn around and tell Simon, you are not Simon you are actually Peter. Because whenever we are able to see God clearly, then we start to be able to see ourselves the way that God wants us to see ourselves. Does anybody hear me what I'm saying? Uh, you can only get an accurate picture of who you are when you are in the light of who he is. So you must always seek to know God. You see, it was when Jacob knew God, when Jacob found God in wrestling with the angel, that God was able to tell Jacob, your name will no longer be Jacob, your name will now be Israel. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? It was in the revelation of who God was that he was able to say, see who he really is. I came to tell somebody this Sunday morning that there's a name change going to take place in this house today in the mighty name of Jesus. In the book of Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 to 6, we read about, it says that in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, you see. It was when Isaiah saw the Lord that he saw who he really was. First he saw that he needed God because he said, I am a man of unclean lips. But then, after that he was cleansed, and God said, who will go for us? Who shall we send? And Isaiah could then audaciously say, I will go, send me. Because it is in the light of God that we find out who we are, our purpose 
and our assignment. Somebody shout amen. It was when Saul was persecuting all of the Christians on the road to Damascus that he saw God, Jesus, appeared to him and said unto him, why do you kick against the, 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 the pricks? And immediately Saul lost his sight because God had to shut down his physical sight so that he could open his internal sight to see who he really was, that he actually was not meant to be Saul, but meant to be Paul, the apostle unto the Gentiles. Somebody say amen. So it is in the light of God that we gain sight of who we really are. It's my job as your pastor, as a preacher, and as a teacher to present God to you and not misrepresent him to you. So once again this Sunday morning, I want to tell you about your God, that your God is a good God, that your God is a dependable God, that your God is a reliable God, that your God is a faithful God, that he is the father of light in whom there is no variableness, nor the shadow of turning. Somebody shout amen, that your God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not fair-weathered, he's consistent, he's not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. If he has said a thing, he will bring it to pass. He has loved you with an everlasting love, and he has declared you righteous. If there's anybody grateful for the God that they have, can you go ahead and give God the praise this Sunday morning? It is in the light of God that we gain true sight of ourselves. I argue once again that one of the biggest crises of our day is actually that of identity, identity crisis. The problem of the world actually started with identity crisis when Eve, not knowing who she really was, was fell for the deception of the devil and tried to attain by the works of the flesh what had already been given by grace. So the whole cycle of the falling of man and of the problems of man started with identity crisis. And we see that Jesus comes to remedy the identity crisis because when he was led of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, the first temptation was actually about identity. Did you see it? Because the devil came and said, if you be the son of God, command these stones to become bread. It was about identity because if Jesus had turned the stones to bread, he would have betrayed that he doubted who he really was because now he had to do something to prove that he was the son of God. But Jesus did not fall for the temptation like Eve fell for the temptation. She said, I know who I am and I don't need to do nothing to prove to you who I am. I am the Son of God. A man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Do you hear me what I'm saying this Sunday morning? Come and shout, yeah! So Jesus came to sort out our identity crisis, but that identity crisis still persists till today, and in fact, it has gotten worse. How do you define yourself from within or from without? Do you define yourself by your feelings or by your conviction? We have a world now that elevates feelings about, above everything else. How I feel, that determines who I am. But is that really the right way to define ourselves? You see, Eve 
was so the lie of performance to become instead of the truth of becoming to perform. Uh, she was told to do to be while God says be to do. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? Satan is still selling that same lie of performance-based existence over accepting the finished work of Christ Jesus and operating from that premise. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate that even in the church today, there is still identity crisis. We say things like this that sound so pious and good. I am a sinner saved by grace. No, no, you can't be a sinner saved by grace. You are either a sinner or you are saved by grace. Uh, uh, does anybody hear me what I'm saying? Uh, the accurate way to have said it is that I was a sinner, but I am now saved by sin. I am no longer a sinner because being a sinner is not what you do, it's who you are. And I, I am now a new creation in Christ Jesus. So I am no longer the sinner, I am now the saved by grace. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? But those type of statements only further reveal that we still have an identity crisis even in the body of Christ. There are two New Testament believers, too many New Testament believers that are living like Old Testament saints. Uh, we read in the book of Numbers in chapter 13 and verse 33, the 10 spies said, there we saw the giants, the, de the descendants of Anak came from the giants and we were like grass in our own sight. So we were in their sight. The ten spies were as grasshoppers, first of all, in their own sight, before they were grasshoppers in the sight of the giants. So first and foremost, how you see yourself is the most critical thing. Oh, is anybody hearing me this Sunday morning? But I've got to correct something. In fact, they were not grasshoppers in the sight of the giants. That was their own report. That was their own thinking. In the sight of the giants, they were the giants. Because the scripture tells us that the giants were all hiding in their houses and in their city, locking their doors and their gates. They were so afraid of the Israelites. I came to tell somebody this Sunday morning, what you are afraid of is afraid of you. Did you hear me what I'm saying? What you are afraid of is afraid of you. You are more powerful than you know. And the devil doesn't want you to know it. The devil doesn't want to know you to know the power you got. He doesn't want to know you to know who you are. He doesn't want to know whose you are. But I came to deliberate somebody this Sunday morning. Somebody is going to walk free. Somebody is going to be set loose. Somebody, the scales are falling off somebody's eyes. If it's you I'm talking about, come and shout, yeah! Hallelujah. So how is identity determined? Identity is determined through birth and parentage. Your parents determine your gender and your identity. Your father particularly determines your gender. But even our earthly parents are but pas passages uh, through whom we come. Oh, you don't hear me what I'm saying. Uh, our parents don't know who is coming. They're just passages. Uh, 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 my, my wife conceived. If you asked me, is there a boy or a girl in the first uh, five weeks? 12 weeks of pregnancy, only by the spirit of prophecy will I be able to tell you uh, that uh, it's, it's the gender or not. Uh, maybe later I could go and do a scan and find out what gender it was. Otherwise, I don't know who's coming. Hello? 
I don't know who's coming. We are just the passage. We're just instruments in the hands of God. Oh, God, you better hear me. We're just instruments in the hand of God. So the real determinant of identity is not really our parents. They are passages. They play a role in that. The real determinant of identity is the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, uh, the King of Creation. It's God Almighty himself uh, that determines who you are and who I am. If you believe me what I'm saying, come and show yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The true determiner of our identity is God. Whew. So I start to talk a little bit about quotes because quotes speak to identity. They speak to identity. We use our quotes or quotes to identify people, to say this person is that person and that person. There are certain quotes you see in public and you instantly know what that person is or maybe the office that he occupies. So there's a connection between quotes and identity. But, but the challenge is that when we were born, we did not get to choose the quotes that we wore. They were chosen for us. You know, it's a trend now, particularly with people that um, are influencers or celebrities that get pregnant. You now have these funny, elaborate um, gender reveal things. You see, you know, gender reveals, you know. I saw one recently, prominent young pastor doing great things for God. His wife is pregnant, and they wanted to do a gender reveal, so they put a football in front of him, and he was to kick the football. And once he kicked the football, the football busts, and what comes out? Blue, blue confetti, just filled the whole gas, smoke, blue. And what's that supposed to tell us? It's a boy. So we associate blue with boy, we associate pink with, with, with girls, although now there's a rising rebellion against... <laughs> say, no, 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 no. <laughs> blue is not for boys, pink is not for girls, you can choose any color. You better be careful about the things you flow with because there are often bigger agendas behind it than what you think is, is innocent. Is anybody hearing me what I'm saying? So... I was at a naming ceremony yesterday, I was naming a child, and it brought back to my focus again that our first experiences of identity come from our parents. The names they give us and the clothes that they wear for us. When we are growing, we're tiny, we're not aware of ourselves, there's no self-awareness. In fact, sometimes if you didn't know, um, back in the day, I had gone to naming ceremonies that I wasn't sure whether it was a boy or a girl. All I needed to do when I arrived there is see what color was, was the baby dressed in, and I would <laughs> okay, this one is a boy. It's getting a little bit more confusing now because everybody's doing these neutral colors. Yes, sir. Okay, okay, is it a boy? <laughs> no, it's a girl. Hallelujah. Is anybody hearing me what I'm saying? 
But I said, realize the import of parents starting to determine the direction of the children. It is right from that birth that the, the children start to have identity. And it is very important that parents don't mess up at this stage. All this idea of, I'm not going to let you know who you are. You are going to grow up and determine who you are. That devil is a liar. That child didn't just appear out of nowhere. That child came from you. It's a combination of your DNAs. You have a responsibility to start to chart the course for that child. You've got to put the right coat on the child and not a that confuses the child. Is anybody hearing me what I'm saying? The scripture says that children are as an arrow in the quiver of a mighty man. What do you do with an arrow? You put an arrow in a bow, you pull it back, and you set it towards a target. That's responsibility. You've got to hold your child and pull it back, particularly in this day and age that we are living in where there are so many challenges and so many influences. You've got to be careful to make sure you put that arrow in the right place and you target it, that you are going to serve the Lord. You are going to bring glory to God. You are going to lift up his holy name. Hallelujah. You do it by prayer. You do it by example. You do it by teaching. You do it by training. Is anybody hear me what I'm saying? You've got to take that responsibility. Listen, because the world is trying to put coats on your children. The world is trying to put all sorts of coats on your children. They're trying to tell them, this is the coat you should wear. This is the coat that is meant for you. Oh, the way you look, this is your type of coat. You've got to, at home, start to tell your child, start to teach your child, this is your coat. This is where you come from. This is who you are. You are an ambassador. You are a king. You are a queen. You are a representative. You are saved. I pray too long. I pray too hard. I pray too strong for you, for you to now wear strange coats. Somebody shout amen. In our infancy, coats are chosen for us that we did not choose for ourselves, but we had to wear them whether we liked it or not. And even as we grew up through adolescence and adulthood, even now, coats are still being chosen for us to wear. Coats are an easy form of identification. Some coats, you don't get to choose. You just wake up wearing them. <sighs> Life has a way of putting coats on you. Can I get a witness? Mm. You see... The woman with the issue of blood had a coat, so much so, so that we don't even know her name. Her coat was the woman with the issue of blood. Till today, I don't know whether she was a Mary, a Jane, or a Janet. She's the woman with the issue of blood. That was the coat that was placed upon her. Blind Bartimaeus had a coat that he wore that identified him as being blind. We knew him as blind Bartimaeus, at least a little bit better than the woman of the issue of blood, because at least we know his name. He's Timaeus. Bar means son. Well, actually, we don't know his name because Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. So, <laughs> blind son of Timaeus. <laughs> Does anybody hear me what I'm saying? But, 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 but he had the presence of mind. He was crying for Jesus to have mercy upon him. And people were telling him to shut up. But Jesus said, who is he? Bring him to me. He, because he shouted the more when people told him to shut up. So you know, sometimes when people say, stop crying, that's when you need to cry the more. Woo! 
And immediately he said, bring him to me. What did blind Bartimaeus do? Blind Bartimaeus took off his coat. He threw off his coat. Already a man of faith. I ain't going to wear that coat no more. That coat that identifies me as blind. I might be blind now, but I'm not going blind after seeing Jesus. He threw off the coat. You know the rest of the story. He received the sight. There was a paralytic man that was let down a fruit around a roof to Jesus. And when he got in front of Jesus, uh, Jesus uh, healed him, restored him. But then Jesus said something to him. Jesus said, take up your bed. Take up your coat. You know, sometimes it's not about discarding the coat. He says, sometimes I need you to still carry the coat that you used to wear because it's your testimony. Somebody's leaving this place with a testimony today. You are going to carry the coat that you used to wear. And you're going to say, I no longer wear that. That was then, this is now. What used to carry you, you are going to carry. What used to limit you is no longer going to limit you. Is anybody hear me? What I'm saying. What used to confine you, you will confine. Amen. You, what used to limit you, you are free of limits. In the mighty name of Jesus. There are quotes that our situations and circumstances put on us. Whew. What coat are you wearing? The life put on you. What coat? The, the, the loss of your husband, of your wife, of your loved one, of your brother, of your sister, put on you? What coat did past lost put on you? What coat did the loss of the job put on you? What coat did trauma put on you? What, what coat, what coat, what good coat did abuse, the abuse you encountered put on you? What, what, what coat did betrayal put on you? What coat did the failure failed a major test, a major exam? What coat did it put on you that you are still wearing? today. You see, because some coats are not visible, but they are still very, very much real. Whew. Some coats are too small for us. Others might be too big for us. But we often still forced to wear them. Some coats are too heavy for us. What coats are you wearing? Help me ask your neighbor, what coat are you wearing? What coat are you wearing? I know your neighbor's going, I ain't wearing no coat, but I'm, I'm not talking about physical coats. I'm talking about psychological, spiritual coats. Uh, the coat of single motherhood, the, the coat of never do good. Uh, all my life, uh, I've always been the never do good person, never quite do good. I, I, I wear the coat of I'm not enough. I, I never feel enough. And it's interesting that sometimes it's the high performers that wear this coat of I'm not good enough. 
Everybody else thinks they're excellent and they are still feeling like I'm not enough. The quote of the perpetual victim. Uh, somehow in my life, I, I found out that being the victim uh, attracts sympathy and help. So I, I now like being the victim. I'm wearing the coat of the victim. In fact, if somebody else is telling me about their woes, I immediately tell them how my woe is worse than their woe because they can't beat me at being the victim. The coat of the victim, the coat of rejection and abandonment, the coat of your past. These, a lot of these quotes are quotes that were chosen for us that we did not choose for ourselves. But not all quotes are chosen for us. Some quotes we chose for our Ourselves, ourselves. Uh, Pastor Godswell, can you, can you come and, and choose a quote? Pastor Zubi, please come and choose a quote here. You know, because sometimes they didn't choose the quote for us. Uh, choose a quote and wear it. Choose a quote and wear it quickly. Uh, we, sometimes we didn't choose a quote for ourselves. Uh, for, sometimes the quotes were not chosen for us. We chose the quote for ourselves. We chose it for ourselves. Uh, stand on this side in front. Let them see you. Uh, Zubi, choose your coat and stand in front of here because you see we choose coats uh, that define us we choose coats uh, that protect us we choose coats that hide us we choose coats uh, that present us that put forward our good side that make us look good are they looking good are they looking they're looking sharp they they got some nice coats right there what coats have you chosen for yourself you know some of us uh, we love the quote of academia you know, uh, I went to school, uh, primary, secondary. Uh, I went to university. I went to tertiary education. After tertiary education, I got my master's. Uh, I got my PhD, Professor Zubi. Ah, uh, yeah, I got it. I got it. I got my coat uh, of academia. Uh, I, I, and I love this coat uh, because you got to respect me because of my coat. Uh, some of us wear the coat uh, of intelligentsia. Intelligence. Uh, I'm an intelligent person. I don't like any, any, any mundane talk. I want deep thought. I want deep thought. I want, I want intellectual thought. I'm wearing the coat of intelligentsia. Is anybody hearing me what I'm saying? We choose certain coats for ourselves. Some other people choose, choose the coat of external beauty. That's what I got. I'm beautiful. Yeah. Can, 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 can a lady help me? Can a lady help me? Uh, you know, I don't know whether there are any female coats up here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, come, 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 come. Pick a coat, pick a coat. Uh, pick a good one, nice one, hallelujah. Uh, and so some ladies, their coat is their beauty. Oh, uh, yeah, this is their coat. Uh, this is what defines me. I'm beautiful. I'm attractive. I'm, 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 what is it? What, what's, what are the stats again? Uh, uh, 38, 26, uh, 36. Uh, you, you, you understand what I'm talking about? I, I, I got it together. In fact, some people go the extra mile to say, if I ain't got it naturally, I'm going to get it some other way. <laughs> I'm going to do what, it need, what I need to do because this is my coat. This is what, def am I talking to anybody this Sunday morning? You know, some people, their coat is their beauty so much so that you cannot see them without the coat. You can't see them. You can't, they, can't, they can't come out without the makeup. They got, they, they, you see me without my wake up? No! That devil is a liar! 
Your gut, anytime you see me, is front to bottom, makeup in place, everything together, because my coat is my beauty. It's my beauty. Am I talking to anybody this Sunday morning? Some people's coat is their, is their money, their affluence. I got some money in the bank. Hey, Pastor God's will. Huh? My millionaire, a billionaire, amen, in the name of Jesus, Pastor. Hallelujah. Ah, uh, yeah. I got some good uh, balance in the bank. It's my coat. Ah, uh, yeah. I got it together. I got it going. Amen. It's prophetic. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't go disturb us. The gods will later. I'm, I'm speaking prophecy. Amen. It will happen in Jesus' name. Some of us, our coat is our talent, our giftedness, our competence. It's our coat. I can preach my coat. I can teach my coat. I can sing my coat. I can run my coat. I can jump my coat. I'm an entrepreneur. My coat, my competence is my coat. Uh, such that in any conversation, I'm, I'm looking for the first opportunity to tell you what I can do because it's my coat. It's how I define myself. It makes me who I am. Is anybody hear me? Uh, the coat of superiority. Uh, you don't come from where I come from. Uh, you don't come from my background. Uh, you don't have my connections. Uh, you might be successful, but you don't got my surname. Uh, because there are certain circles uh, that is not about your money or your competence. It's about what's your name. <laughs> What family do you come from? Oh, it's sad, but it's true. Uh, that sometimes those rooms, the only way uh, you get in with competence is because you are part of the entertainment. Hey, Jesus. That devil is a liar. Coach! Coach. What coat did you choose for yourself? And you'll be using it to protect yourself, to cover yourself, to project yourself. And you see, we might gleefully cho choose the coats we wear at the onset, but somewhere down the road, we find that every coat has its shortfalls, its restrictions, and its detriments. I chose the coat, but now I hate the coat. But... I've gotten so intertwined with my coat that I can't take it off. I'm trapped. I love my coat, but I hate my coat. But I can't do without my coat. Because to lose my coat is to lose my identity, to lose part of who I am. I have become my coat, and my coat has become me. But I hear the whispers of the spirit, increasing decibels, now almost a shout in the spirit realm. He's saying to me, you are not your coat. You are not your coat. You are not your coat. Pastor Zubi, you are not your coat. You can hang it back up. Pastor God's will, you are not your coat. Tamsin, you are not your coat. You can hang your coats. And go back to sitting for a moment. 
as I tried to start to bring this homily to a conclusion and to the real meat of what God wants to say to us today. And to do that, I need to go back to our text. This famed story that we know so well, the story of Joseph. And Joseph was a man that wore many coats in the journey of his life. And the first coat that we are introduced to that Joseph wore was the coat of many colors. He wore the coat of many colors. And Joseph liked his coat. It was a coat of favor. Oh, I like the coat of favor. It was the coat of favor, the coat of many colors. And others hated him because of his coat. But he became so interwoven, so interwined with his coat that he became his coat and his coat became him. He wore his coat everywhere he went. It defined him, it protected him, it favored him. His coat became he, he became his coat. But God knew that Joseph had to be separated from his coat because Joseph was not his coat. He was not his coat. Sometimes God will remove even coats that we like, that we love from us because they have become the definition of who we are instead of him. Uh, Joseph's brothers took his coat away from him and threw him into the pit. It was his first coat. And they sold him into slavery. They sold him into slavery. And so his second coat was the coat of a slave. Uh, sometimes you have to wear the coat of slavery. You didn't choose it. It was forced upon you, reduced to being seen only as a commodity, an object for 20 shekels of silver. He was sold into slavery. He wore the coat of slavery. But that was the second, the third coat. He was now sold to Potiphar. And Potiphar was an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the God. And, 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 and he was clothed now with Potiphar's coat. Potiphar put a coat on him. He put a coat on him. It was a, a royal coat. It was a coat of honor. The coat that he wore in Potiphar's house. Because God was with Joseph even in Potiphar's house, such that everything he laid his hands upon to do prospered. Oh yes, though he was a slave in Potiphar's house, he was elevated and honored. He became the overseer over Potiphar's house. All that Potiphar had was put under Joseph's authority, save Potiphar's wife. So the coat that he now wore, the third coat, of his life was a coat of honor and favor. Ah, but the other side of the coat of favor is always envy and jealousy and something else. Because the other side of the coat that he now wore was Potiphar, Potiphar's wife, laying eyes on Joseph and liking what she saw. She desired Joseph. She wanted to bed Joseph. Oh, she liked the coat. I got to have this man. But he refused. And the scripture tells you, tells us that one of those days where she cornered him in privacy, she wanted to forcibly lie with him. But 
Joseph again refused and she grabbed a hold of Joseph's garment and Joseph had a dilemma. Do I hold onto the garment and sleep with her or do I let go of the garment and go on following purpose? But she, he decided that not sinning against God was more important than keeping this temporal coat of honor and prestige. So she, he left the coat in Potiphar's wife's hand and he ran off. And then the wife cocked up a story of him trying to rape her and got him thrown into prison. Is anybody hear me what I'm saying? Every once in a while, you might have the challenge between keeping your coat but losing your integrity or keeping your integrity and losing the coat. But I can I tell you that whatever you lose for integrity's sake, a better than it is coming your way. If you believe what I'm saying, come and shout yes. And so Joseph was now in the prison. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he wears his fourth coat. And his fourth coat is the prisoner's coat. Is the prisoner's coat that he now wears. Oh my goodness. The prisoner's coat. It's a heavy coat that he's wearing in prison. He's wearing the prisoner's coat. But something strange is happening. Coats have been changing. But something keeps on happening in Joseph's life, regardless of what coat he's wearing. Because wherever Joseph goes, regardless of the coat, he still gets favored. Oh, Jesus. Wherever Joseph goes, he still gets favored. Now he's in the worst of places. Oh, I need to take a sidestep and talk to somebody right now. You feel like you are in prison. You feel like you are in prison. You feel like you're in the darkest valley ever. You feel like it's never been this hard. It's never been this tough. I've gone through hard times before, but this one's real tough. Can you imagine Joseph thrown into a pit? Joseph sold into slavery. He says, okay, get better after this. Then he becomes a slave in Potiphar's house. Oh, it'll get better after this. Then he's thrown into prison. Uh, just when I thought I was about to get a relief, it gets worse. But guess what? Even in prison, God's favor starts to elevate Joseph in prison, and he starts to get higher and higher, till the captain of the prison puts Joseph again in charge of everything and all of the prisoners. My goodness! He gave Joseph the key to the prison. He gave Joseph the key to the prison. This was the prisoner's code. But this also caused Joseph to start to realize that it's not the external code that matters. It's the internal code that I'm wearing. He cried when they took the coat of many colors away from him. He probably cried when he lost Potiphar's coat. But now in prison, it finally starts to get through to him. A penny drops that it's not about the external coat. There's an internal coat I'm wearing that nobody can take away from me. So he, he, he starts to realize it. But something else is also happening to Joseph in the course of the journey because at the beginning of the journey it was all about his dream his dream he's going to be this, he's going to be that, I'm going to be this I'm going to be that, he's always thinking about him, 
But by the time he's in prison, Joseph starts to interpret other people's dreams. Because this whole process that God has allowed Joseph through was actually a maturation process to bring pro Joseph to the place where he's able to wear an ultimate coat. Oh, Jesus, help me. Help me, Lord Jesus. So he had to bring him from his self-centeredness to a place where he's now other-centered. Because when you start to make things happen for others, God will make things happen for you. Oh, Lord Jesus. Ah, when you start to make things happen for others, God will start to make things happen for you. And you know the rest of the story, but there's something very interesting in the rest of the story. He interprets dreams, they forget him. God gave them amnesia on purpose because he needed them to remember at the right time when Pharaoh was looking for the interpretation of his own dream and there was nobody that could interpret. So then he brings back to the memory of the butler that there's somebody that interprets dreams. And then they send for Joseph. Pharaoh says, bring him quickly. Bring him immediately. They get into the prison and they're bringing Joseph quickly to the, to, 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 to Pharaoh. But then Joseph says, not so quickly, not so quickly. Don't take me there yet. Uh, I need to shave. The scripture says he shaved and he put on a coat. Oh God, Jesus. You don't hear me what I'm saying. You see, every coat prior to now had been chosen for, for him. But now that he's called to Pharaoh, Nobody's putting a coat on him. He's the one choosing the coat that he's going to wear. He's gotten to the, that place of maturity where I'm no longer embracing coats that people put on me. I'm the one that determined the coat I'm going to wear into Pharaoh's presence. He chooses his coat. Somebody's about to choose a coat, a different coat, a greater coat, a more beautiful coat. This Sunday morning, he chooses his coat. And he goes into Pharaoh's presence. You know the rest of the story. He interprets the dream. Pharaoh is looking for somebody that, that can take, uh, uh, that, that, that can now execute uh, what is necessary for, for, for taking over, for, 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 for protecting the nation. Uh, so the, 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 the fifth quote was Joseph's quote. Now Pharaoh uh, clothes uh, Joseph with his own coat. Pharaoh's coat is a royal coat. Pharaoh's coat is a royal coat. Pharaoh's coat is a coat of authority. So Pharaoh clothes him with royalty and with oh no, in fact, uh, Joseph becomes a god unto Pharaoh. It's a coat of great honor, great dignity. It's a coat of authority. It's a coat better than Potiphar's coat. It's a coat uh, uh, better than the coat he wore in prison. It's a coat better than his coat of many colors. This is a coat of authority. This is a coat of becoming a deliverer. Because everything that God was doing uh, through all of the coats was to bring Joseph to a place where he would not only be delivered, but he would be able to deliver the whole house of Israel. Is anybody hearing me this Sunday morning? This was a coat. Uh, Pharaoh put upon him the signet ring, which was authority. He put him in palatial residences. He put him in a place of notoriety, of prominence. Can I prophesy to somebody, that type of coat is about to come upon you in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe it, come and shout, yeah! 
But I came to tell somebody that as glorious and as gracious and as wonderful as that quote is, uh, God has a better quote for you. <laughs> God has a coat for you. Come on, tell your neighbor, God has a coat for you. Hallelujah. As great and as good as Pharaoh's coat was, God has a better coat for you. In the book of Isaiah 61, it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Ah, The opening of the prison to those that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning and the garments, ooh, the raiment, ooh, to give them the coats of praise. Hallelujah. Instead of the spirit of heaviness, can I announce to somebody that God is about to give you a coat of praise, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. This tells me, because it's a spirit of heaviness, that this coat is not a natural coat. This is a spiritual coat. Because the only thing that can replace a spirit of heaviness also has to be a spirit. It's the spirit of praise. I decree and declare the release of the spirit of praise in your life, in your space, in your situation, even today, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. It's a garment of praise. This is not an external coat. It's a spiritual, supernatural, and superior coat that will control your externals. Oh, Jesus, hallelujah. Listen to me, listen to me. Can I go there? Give me a few more moments. Let me go there, let me go there. Let me tell you something. Paul says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 19, for though I am free of all men, stop. He says that I am free free of all men. What is Paul saying? Very few people can say this. I am free of all men. Can I put it in my own lexicon? Paul was saying, I am free of all coats. Oh, I'm free of all the coats that men tried to put on me. I'm free of all the coats that situation tried to put on me. I'm free of all the coats that pain tried to put on me. I'm free of all the coats that society tried to put on me. I am free of all men. Do I have any free people under the sound of my voice? Ah, yeah, yeah. The institutions tried to clothe me a particular way. I'm free. Ah, yeah, The diagnosis tried to coat me a particular way. I am free. Ah, yeah, The report tried to clothe me a particular way. I am free. I'm free of all men. I'm free of all coats. But there's a contradiction. It says, for though I am free of all men, I have made myself a servant unto all, that by all means I might win some. What is Paul talking about? Paul is saying, not that I am a slave to man, I'm a slave to purpose. 
and my purpose and my assignment determines what type of coat I wear. Oh, Jesus. He says, I have made myself. So now, whatever coat I am wearing, it's my choice. Do you hear me what I'm saying? Whatever coat I am wearing, it's my choice, and I'm wearing it for my purpose. Oh, my goodness. So if I need to wear uh, Pharaoh's coat, I'll wear it. If I need to wear the prisoner's coat, I'll wear it. If I need to wear Potiphar's coat, I'll wear it. If I need to wear a coat of many colors, I'll wear it as long as it serves my purpose and my assignment. Because there are various coats for various sectors, for various times, for various seasons. But no longer is the coat controlling me. I'm the one controlling my coat. If you believe me what I'm saying, come on, shout, yeah! Woo! I'm no longer slave to the opinions of men. I'm slave to my divine purpose. For if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and 17. That means uh, I am not my coat. I'm a new creation. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And God is clothing you with glory today. God is putting a new coat upon you today. It's a garment of praise. It's a garment of purpose. It's a coat that no man, no devil, no situation, no circumstance can take away from you. And Satan has been trying so hard to keep you in the dark about the coat that God has already put upon you. Today your eyes are open. You are a child of God. You are a son of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You've got a coat of glory. It might not look like it, but you do, you do, you do. If you believe me what I'm saying, go ahead and give God the praise. Even this Sunday, lift up his holy name. Extol him. Exalt him. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody has been laboring under the wrong coat for too long. Hallelujah. And today God wants to take that coat off you. Hallelujah. There's a situation in your past. A circumstance in your past. God wants to take the coat off you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You clothe us in this house with the garment of praise. <laughs> when men say there's a casting down, we shall say there's a lifting up thank you lord hallelujah somebody go ahead and give god the praise we hope you've enjoyed this uplifting sermon from house on the rock church the london lighthouse we hope you've been informed and inspired join us for services every wednesday and sunday follow us on twitter instagram and facebook at h-o-t-r london 
also live stream our services on YouTube at HOTR London. For more information, visit our website on hotr.org.uk.